Welcome to Going Deep, the RSP cast with Angelo Fantasy, Brandon Angelo. I'm How are we doing? One. We're doing good. We have all-star games. We're going to talk a little bit about what we get out of them. Some specific players, maybe some broader philosophies. Players you know we're going to need to maybe take another look based on what we've seen thus far. Just from our own studies, whatever format that is. And then, you know, developmental players in this draft. Players at least we think are developmental players at this point that we find intriguing. Because we might find somebody that we think is developmental and the NFL might draft them in the first day. Right, 100%. <laughs> Outworks every year. Yep, pretty much. So, so yeah. I mean, and we had an interesting conversation just off air a little bit because we're talking about how players are kind of built differently. And I just, I thought it would be kind of fun to just ask you this right off the bat because you were a you were a Big Ten sprinter. You were, you know, and you were one of the top freshmen entering, you know, college football at that time or college track, you know, at that time. And you had the you had the 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 opportunity to to sprint against somebody that we all we all know very well on the national stage. And what was that like? Oh man, uh, it was one of those like experiences when you look back on it like man i I got you get you get humbled you kind of realize there's levels to there's certain levels to athleticism that you know you like you'll never reach right and i think that's one of the biggest things and it was tyree kill actually and wow a couple times so yeah i mean yeah i mean i raced him it was like i think it was uh like u.s junior national trial right to go make like team usa like world team right so pretty big deal for freshmen um usually freshmen are under so you don't have many you don't have many seniors in high school doing it because it's mostly the best freshmen in the country in their respective events right and i was a sprinter um it was me this kid from oregon who's really fast kid from lsu so you can kind of imagine like some of the like the best freshman sprinters in power five conferences are usually the ones that kind of go to this thing, right? Yeah. One or two kids that are maybe a little younger might be kind of getting on the scene, but at that, that time it was Tyree Kill. So he was all over ESPN because he ran like some crazy 200 times. So me and the other guys know each other because we race against each other a ton. And we're like, there's no way his kid's actually that good. No, he was that good and better. <laughs> like it was... It's just one of those things when it's like you go back and watch those races. You go back and, you know, you, you can just kind of recount those memories. And it was just there's levels, right? Yeah. And, like, there's, like, you're good, but there's someone way, way better. Yeah. And I'll never forget, like, you kind of see on the field. You can kind of hear him running when you see him running because of how frequent he is. It's the same thing when you're actually running against him. Like you can feel that. Like you can feel the energy. Wow. It's just a really unique experience. But yeah, he's like he wasn't he was at Oklahoma. He was going to Oklahoma State. That's right. where he was going as a freshman. And then he left. Um, but you could see that. Like that was a like very rarely like in the sprint world, like is it that that big of a difference? And it was just an absolutely astounding difference between him and I think he ended up winning the 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 world junior title actually in both sprints 100 and 200 meters wow so and, and this was in the 200 that you guys were racing right or both racing both oh both 100 and, 100 and 200 i got the luxury to get my ass kicked twice it was awesome <laughs> but 
but the 200 and that's crazy because like from what i i know and you correct me if i'm wrong please i've always heard that the 200 like the 100 is certainly the king that what people like yeah. know publicly but the 200 is often seen as like the insider race for people who are kind of like if you want to know speed over strategy like if you're talking about like athletic ability yeah that the 200 is more of like a a real display of like sustained speed <laughs> yeah no it, it is because you have to like you have to like understand the sport at a little bit deeper level in my opinion at least like to, to run a really good 200 but like it Tyreek Hill didn't have like his mechanics like weren't great wow but he had he was just so frequent it, it was it was and, crazy and frequent the amount of times he can get his feet on the ground right yeah like yeah. his frequency versus like stride like he was a small like he was a like probably kills no he's he's not 510 by the way he's like probably 58 yeah like he's small i'm like a, i'm like five nine he's shorter than me wow yeah and just just it was crazy like just the amount of force he put on the ground and just a little bowling ball like he was nuts like it was it was a crazy 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 experience but it was fun that, that was yeah. one of the things i'll always remember is um, just kind of interacting with them and then just getting my ass kicked twice was cool. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where it does really highlight what we're going to talk about today because there is a big gap between a developmental player for sure, and, and an all-pro NFL player. And some right. people have the talent to kind of make up that gap, um, but it comes with work. And it, you, you know... It's going to come with work, and it's also going to have to come with a level of talent to develop fast in a high-pressure yeah. environment exactly. that is like play now. So, you know, with that in mind, we're seeing like a whole different mix of people in these all-star games. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you look at players like, you know, you look at somebody like Bo Nix, a quarterback who a lot of people are talking about whether you agree with it or not is being regarded as probably one of the better quarterback prospects in this class at this point. And then you could go and look at someone like Brevin Span Ford, the Minnesota tight end, who's also at the Senior Bowl, who I would look at and say, he's kind of a developmental player who has you know potential. And he's one of my developmental players I'll talk about later. But you, you know the Senior Bowl is a lot of things to a lot of people. So I'm curious what you feel like, what is it to you? What do you get out of it as yeah. an evaluator and also just as someone in this industry? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think the biggest thing I got is an understanding of how the league views their draft stock. Right? Is it going, is it up arrow or down arrow? Right. And that's a really big deal because you can kind of tell like when you, get like Daniel Jeremiah and like Bucky Brooks and some of these other guys like talking because that's one of the things I really like about Senior Bowl week is listening to those guys talk about the players because you can get a pretty good sense of who they're talking about how often they're talking about them what they're saying is it positive negative because then you get it you know these guys are telling you what the scouts are saying these guys are telling you what the people with the pocketbooks are kind of you know kind of alluding to and that's a really unique part about Senior Bowl week is you can kind of get that sense. So for me, that's a big part of it, right? To kind of see who the NFL is a little bit higher on or 
kind of souring on a little bit throughout the week. And you can get you can get a big sense of that um, during Senior Bowl week. And also, too, like watching like the East-West Shrine Bowl, like things like that. I think that's a really big part of the evaluation process is, is, is watching those two weeks. I think it's important. Um, and then also, too, this, the second one for me is just kind of getting a sense of the depth of the position groups. Like you can get a good sense of the depth of running back, receiver, tight end, tackle, etc., because you're getting the players in the middle tier from what the NFL currently views. And there's rarely you'll get one of those you'll get senior bowl guys who are like early first round guys. Like no, that's yeah. usually not what happens. You get the day two guys and day three guys, and sometimes really good UDFAs. Um, but you're not getting your early first rounders. Your top ten picks, Malik Neighbors ain't going to the Senior Bowl. He's not. Um, so you get those guys in that middle tier, and seeing how solid that middle tier of guys is. Last year, especially like receiver, you watch like Tank Dell and Puka Nakua. You're like these two guys can play. Yep. This, this is going to solidify that middle tier. Tank Dell was so good. He did one-on-ones with everybody in the left. Yep. He said, see, I'm, I'm good. But like, the, it's just like stuff like that. When you watch it, it it's really interesting because you kind of see um, how solid the middle tier of those positions are in, this, in the current draft year. Um, and this year, the one that jumps out to me is receiver, I think, is pretty deep. Yeah, I think there's a lot, and it's fun because there's a lot of different flavors of receiver, right? You have your Malachi Corleys and your Lad McConkeys and your Brendan Rices, and you're just your different types of receivers, and you and your Leggets, and you there's different types. Ricky Pearsall, you know, yeah, yeah. Ricky Pearsall for sure, and he's one of the guys I'm gonna talk about um, in terms of guys who I think are really big risers this week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's that's a really interesting part of it is looking and seeing, like I said, just how solid those position groups are, um, and what they look like in terms of shaping out towards the NFL draft and the interview process. No, I think it's great. I think for me, one of the things I like, I love all those points because it's really, it's a really practical way of looking at how teams see it because that's important. I mean, like if you're looking at the draft, how do they value those guys? Um, I, I think one of the things that I enjoy seeing is who are the small school players that they're put that they grabbed mm-hmm. because who those are the guys that I think they want to see athletically match up with yeah. the bigger guys. That's a really good point. Yeah. You know, like Dylan Lobby, you know, as you as you mentioned, you know, if I've pronounced his name right. Um probably is an example of that to an extent. But who's the or who's the guy that who are the guys that may not have tape that says mid rounds but their their physicality says early round or, yeah they rise to the occasion yeah that, yeah, yeah that's a, that's you know what that kind of bounce off that that's a really cool part because you get these you get the Dylan lobbies of the world competing against you know sec you know big 10 you know pac 12 guys right like that that's the really that's the beauty of it right it's it's just man on man yeah they, um, for, yeah they fun. want the they want confirmation because as far back as i remember the first guy i always talk about the first guy i ever wrote about in this space was brian westbrook and it was yeah and he he came to the senior bowl and had a huge senior bowl with andy Reid as his coach um at that time and they knew. I mean, you know, he was an FSU scholarship guy who got 
it revoked when he tore his ACL. So, right. like, you know, obviously there was that. But we all know that a part of that was, can he do what he did against all those guys? Because we didn't really see it on a consistent basis. And we know that the one of the toughest things for scouts to watch is how athletic are they really? Yeah, yeah. Against other athletes. Yeah, that's the big one, right? It, it, being at being athletic on the service level is one thing. Like seven, like looking at some of these guys, like they were on the forty, you know, in a couple months, right? But like, how athletic are they against other really good athletes? Um, and that's the only time they'll get to see that until they go to minicamp. Yeah. So that, that's a really important part of the evaluation because yeah, it is important. And you you kind of alluded to something really interesting. I think it's extremely impactful for guys who have been off injured right yeah and that's a really important part to look at are they healthy how are they moving and that's a really interesting thing you do kind of unpack it is are they not only healthy but can they make impact plays against impact players yeah like Rashan Rashin Ali that's a really interesting one um leading towards ACL last year and look really freaking good, right? And that's a really big deal is you get guys like that who- Tajay yeah, Spears last year. I was about to say it, yeah. In yeah. the NFL, not just they don't want to just see the talent. They want to see, is this guy healthy enough to be better than other really good players? No, no, it's a fantastic point. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we also, I think that there's, how do these guys, conduct themselves and answer questions when off-field stuff is happening too. Some of those guys who get invited, I remember LeGarrette Blunt was an example. Oh my. You know, they humbled LeGarrette Blunt as much as they could. And I don't, you know, I don't know if I would say he deserved it or not, but I do remember him hitting the player and go and going after somebody in the stands and then we interviewed LeGarrette Blunt, you know, at the senior bowl and he was really like legit shy about wanting to do it but his teammates talked him into it because they were like look man you gotta you gotta you gotta go out there and deal with it like you you've got to do that but like but it was i almost felt like they punished him because he was easily the best running back in that class in that senior bowl group that year in my opinion and they stuck him on kick return duty they used him as a fullback. They didn't let him really run the ball, but they'd have him run like a kick return, and he like just took it coast to coast. And I would, and we just we would look at each other and just laugh like, yeah, he's. They want to see if he's gonna like be a team yeah. player and deal right. with the fact of what he's dealing with and go through all this and be okay, right? You know, and they, you know, and lo and behold, you know that that's. Some of that stuff goes that route. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of different elements to it. Um, you know, and for, I think, for people who go, you know, for the media and folks like that, I mean, a lot of it's to be seen. I would say, you know, it's a networking opportunity for them. Um, I think it's a good opportunity for them to learn the game a little bit more because it's a gateway to, some of them aren't beat reporters who cover practices. Some of them are fantasy analysts who never covered a practice or they're, you know, they're folks that are talking about certain topics, but mm -hmm. do they, 
do they understand what a practice looks like? How does that fit into like really what's worthwhile sharing and what's not worthwhile sharing? So yeah, what's, what's, cause what's to you, what's overrated about an all-star game that people like really like you see on social media or on TV that you go, yeah, but let's not go too far. I think uh, for quarterbacks, I think completion percentage, that's one, I think. Yeah. Right. Like I think it was one senior bowl where I saw like, I forget who it was. I think it was, there was the starting receivers dropped like three balls. He went one for four. It's like, yeah. One for four could very easily be three for four or four yeah. for four. So it's like stuff like that. I'm like, you only get limited. You get limited opportunities. Yeah. Everybody's playing X snaps, right? I think that's a big one for me. Um, but really, I think it, it's more impactful, in my opinion, sometimes to see how these guys carry themselves um, and just kind of like looking at body language. Yeah. Like, interviews and things like that and how they're answering questions and do they think this moment's like eh, i'm above this right like yeah. that type of stuff or like no i'm gonna take really i'm gonna take advantage of this opportunity to to actually show show scouts evaluators and everybody who i'm talking to i don't care if it's a freaking janitor that I, you know i'm here because i want to be here and this is important to me and this is a job interview yeah right i think that's a really important part too and the one this this year that really you know, stuck out to me with Spencer Rattler, right? And he really acknowledged the fact that I was a really cocky 17-year-old kid who was on QB1 and thought his shit didn't stink. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Wow. And he acknowledged that. And that, that's something to me that, like, kind of speaks of, okay, this is a kid that everybody knew was immature, but he showed that maturation. Right, he showed those steps, and now can he take some of that criticism from his play, from the evaluators that are evaluating his play, and use that as a stepping stone to be better during Senior Bowl week, during the game, and take that criticism, use it as constructive criticism, and, and grow from it. Like stuff like that, I think is something I look at a lot. And Spencer Rattler was one that stuck out to me because, yeah, I mean, everybody watched him. Could if you have you seen QB one, by the way? A little uh, bit, yeah. It was on Netflix, yeah. Justin Fields is actually in it. I think Sam Hartman's in it too. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those. You kind of get a sense of who they are as like a, as a, you know, because you're, you know, when I, throughout, you're a megastar. Yeah. Like those are megastars in high school, right? Yeah. yeah. So seeing how they handle that fame, um, and where they come from it, and 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 how they grow from being, you know, the 17 year old kid who, who thinks he's at the top of the world to fighting for an NFL an NFL roster spot really I, I remember interviewing DeMarco Murray and he expressed things like that without saying he was yeah I, I thought I was bigger than I was but what he did say sounded humble because he said I said what's it like what was it like for you because I remember watching you early on in college and you moved a lot more like Reggie Bush. And by the end of your college career, you were a lot more efficient runner um, and a little bit slowed by injury and had to battle through injuries. What was all that like? And he said, well, he said, you know, and I got here and I quickly learned that, you know, that I was not the best athlete on the field. 
And he said, and that was humbling. And I realized I was going to have to work. Like, and I'm thinking you were still a pretty darn good athlete on the field, mm-hmm. DeMarco Murray. To but to think, but to realize that and have that, and he was just someone who was really down to earth, and who approached was like I had to work, I had to continue working. And then when I got hurt, I realized that I wasn't always going to have the athletic ability that I had coming into school. And when you know, I believe Adrian Peterson was on his team. Uh, no, that was yeah, uh, yeah it was no, that was yeah. Yeah, and, and no, so, same time period. Yeah. Same time frame. And it, yeah. and he and I remember him saying something to the effect of like, I mean, I'm playing in the backfield. Same backfield was Adrian Peterson. He goes, he realized pretty quickly that you know, that that level of it. And then right. I think on the other end, you know, you look at players, and sometimes they get to show something that they haven't shown in a right. while that scouts miss. Because I mean, scouts only can watch so much tape. I know we hear Ron Jaworski and everybody on ESPN say they watched every throw and watched every snap, and you can certainly do that now. But when you're watching 25 quarterbacks, it's right. different than watching two to 300, 400 players. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So 100%. one of those great examples for me, and if you have one, I would love to share it, but like one of those guys for me early on was Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones was a Cal way back in the day and before Keenan Allen came along he was their deep threat as a sophomore and when he got to the senior bowl he was classified as a possession threat and that was all he was seen as and then they started running those drills and then he started basically beating what was considered a strong cornerback class deep pretty much right. every rep or every other rep right and and I had watched the sophomore tape and I was like, oh, I know this guy can do this. So it was like additional confirmation. But a lot of people were like, how did Marvin Jones get, you know, how did Marvin Jones do this so well? Um, you know, and I asked Marvin, you know, I got to talk with him about it. He goes, oh yeah, he goes, people forget, you know. He goes, and I work and I work press every day with these Cal Corners. We, they would make me stay after with them to get practice on releasing against press. Um, you, you know, and talk about the stuff they do. So, you know, there's there are players like that that you look at and go, is there another dimension to them that we haven't seen? Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a great thing you just said. I think a lot of times, like with, with running backs, it's it's pass catching and it's it's pass blocking. I think last year, the what we talked about earlier, Tajay Spears, no one knew he was a really good receiver because that wasn't a large part of what they did with him. You know. At Tulane, so yeah. it was he didn't get to do that often, but he lit up the linebackers in the one on ones. Um, and he showed he was he was good in pass pro, like he was, he was reliable and just stuff like that, where you can kind of see it, you know, in one on ones and in the, in the drill type settings where you maybe not you probably don't get to see that all the time in game, yeah, one like, or two reps, maybe every three exactly, games. like, yeah, schematically, it's just maybe not how they do it and you know and in the senior bowl like it's an equal equal opportunity you know everybody's lining up and doing one-on-ones against backers so like if you stink as a pass catcher it's going to show or if like you really have success it's going to show like this week so far like Dylan Lobby he was running with the receivers and torching defensive backs right so that makes you kind of go back and say holy cow like wait, this is the running back doing this to corners, good corners, and he's doing this to linebackers, 
maybe the NFL might be higher on this kid than we might have thought. Because he comes from New Hampshire, right? And yeah. Who the hell comes from New Hampshire? Um, but yeah, there's stuff like that I think is always interesting to see. It makes you go back, and we'll talk about this too. It makes you go back and look look at the tape. Yeah. So to see, huh? Is this something that they they did consistently on film, or like you're talking about with Marvin Jones? Like, oh man, like he kind of got pigeonholed into something he wasn't, and then he becomes, you know, we saw it early and then didn't do it, and then oh well, he actually is a, a really good deep threat. Yeah. So, so who else besides Dylan Lobby that you you looked at and you said, yeah, I, I want to go back and take another look at this guy, Ricky Pearsall for sure. Yeah. And it was funny. I remember watching a Florida game and someone said like Ricky Pearsall was like, I'm the best separator in this in in the whole nation. And I'm like, really? Like, come on. Then I watched him play, like Ricky Pearsall can ball. Like this kid can actually play. Yeah. And I think I think he's gonna be like a late day two, early day three guy. Cause he's gonna I think he's an immediate impact guy from the slot. Yeah. I think that's gonna be important for a lot of teams. Um, I think he's going to be like your Cole Beasley in the NFL offense. I think he's one that I really want to go back and watch watch the tape on. Because I think he's going to be someone where, especially if you play fantasy football, like he's someone that could be a, a, a relevant player someday to some degree. Um, but I think the other the other two, Roman Wilson, because um, I saw him flash at Michigan. Um, Michigan was obviously kind of run heavy with Blake Corm, obviously. But um, he flashed a little bit, but he's – He's probably been one of the best three receivers at the Senior Bowl so far. Yeah, uh, he, he's lit it up, and he made a really nice one-handed catch today, kind of falling out of bounds awkwardly, um, and looked really good on one-on-ones. And obviously, he has really good deep beat. Should run the high four threes at the combine. Um, but he's someone I want to kind of go back and look more at because he's kind of his he's kind of creeping up and solidified himself um, in that top one hundred. I think. So that'll be an interesting one. And also uh, Ray Davis, the Kentucky back. Yep. Right? I, I think a back like him, with his build in particular, like he's, I think he's 5'8", 217. Yeah. So he's got a really unique build to him. Um, he's got when that you watch Frank Gore-esque kind of build. Yeah, exactly. When you watch him play, there's a, there's a lot more fluidity than that build would kind of lead on. And I think he, he's one of, those, one of those backs that can come in and make an – impact um on the nfl roster right away um but he's not going to be a guy that's going to be drafted in the i don't think he's going to be a ground tooth pick i think he'll probably be in the fourth fifth yeah um but he's someone that can make an impact he does he works all three phases well he's he's a, he's a good runner he's efficient he's a good receiver and he, he's good in pass pro so players like that i think are super super impactful to kind of keep your keep your eye on and then um Really, besides that, those guys, I think um, we, I think I, we talked about this a little bit too. Malachi Corley, yeah, and I think there's so much more to him than meets the eye because you see five ten, two fifteen, you're like Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, but he's actually ran some really nuanced routes, yeah, so far, and has caught the ball away from frame much better than you know the early evaluations were kind of coming in at. So I think those guys, for me, are the ones that kind of popped so far, of guys I want to kind of look back at. Um, Spencer Rattler is one of the quarterbacks. Obviously, we know Spencer Rattler, but I think he, he's, he, did, he did okay today. He's spinning a little bit. 
Um, but I think um, those are the guys that I think for me stood out. How about you? Yeah, so for me, I haven't watched the Senior Bowl this year, but I'll say that there are players that are in the Senior Bowl that certainly caught my eye. And what I'm hearing about the Senior Bowl, there's some players I want to, I know I'm going to need to revisit. Roman Wilson is absolutely one of them. Ray Davis was another one too. So Love those it. two guys Love are it. on that list. I was already high on Pearsall um, and Corley, but Jay, nice. but I would say JJ McCarthy. Um, I don't know if he's there, but I think he is. I I already watched him, watched enough of him to go. I need to revisit his decision making, um, because there's some things I'm kind of in between two tiers on with him that sure. I want to make sure that is his reads of if his reads of the field a happy accident or are they intentional? Sure. Uh, and I'm still kind of not sure which direction I am in that. And his release. He has a it not so much his upper body but his lower body mechanics. I think that I'm I had some concerns about it, but I'm not sure I should be as concerned about it as I have graded him to be. I had a quarterback coach ask me if he's Zach Wilson 2.0 and my answer was he's Zach Wilson in the way that I think if if he's Zach Wilson in the way people expected him to be um, at the draft. I'd say he's closer to, to that than the Zach Wilson we got thus far. But I'm not... Okay. Yeah. But I'm not... So, yeah. so more of like a Will Levis. That's where I'm... <laughs> well, Will Levis for me, that's another player. And Will Levis for me comes... That's a good... We, we flow really well unintentionally about stuff. Because Will Levis is probably the good topic of where I had him graded was really low and out of this draft. Like, I did not think Will Levis was a draftable player. Like, I know he. Was, I, I didn't either. Yeah. I, I thought he was terrible. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's 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 kind of proven to be like I don't know. I, he's not the answer in Tennessee. No. I don't think. But I think he's what Zach Wilson. Like we would want, we would have wanted Zach Wilson to be on the low end and not be upset about it. Yes, does that make sense? I I get that, and I think like that's kind of where like if JJ McCarthy, in my opinion, if he goes into the if he goes in the league next year or this this year, and is Will Levis's rookie year, we're probably not upset. No, that's probably to me that's like meets expectations and sure and and. And I would say not Titans fans' expectations, realistic expectations. Like, <laughs> you know, because yeah, so if you're listening sure. and a Titans fan, not like your fans going, he's going to be really good. Remember that 4TD game that he had to begin the year? No, we're talking about what we've seen pretty much at the end Post of the year. Post 4TD game. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's, yeah, yeah I, I think J.J. McCarthy's like a, a tier higher talent wise than Levis. Yeah. But I think like the median outcome for his rookie year is kind of that Will Levis rookie year. Yes, because to me, Will Levis was between I would say Will Levis was a top end backup playing as a starter. Like I don't even call him a top end backup. How about I put this? A backup playing starter. Um like sure. backup level skill with some developmental issues being a starter. Whereas okay. I think that J.J. McCarthy, where I have him graded, is on that Mason Dixon line of, of, <laughs> of contributor and reserve. Um, so like a current Drew Lock. 
Yes. Ish. Yes. Ish. So, and Zach Wilson was compared to Drew Locke by me in the RSP. Well, there you so go. that's a, there you go. So the player who reminds me of Will Levis, actually, a little bit in terms of he's, he's not, not he's a bonus a bonex. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> okay. He's not in the Senior Bowl right now, and I'm I'm revisiting his decisions, and I've resisted saying much on Twitter because I had I felt like did I sleepwalk through the evaluation process with him. Because I need to go back and watch him again. So oh, I no. watched him again, and oh, it no. didn't change my feeling on him. And Who is it? Drake May. Oh yeah, I can gotta see that for I'm, sure. I Drake May right now. I need to revisit and pinpoint some areas because I did not like his decision making at all. I did yeah. not. I while he can take a hit and he can avoid pressure. His ability to diagnose and know what to do with it consistently yeah. at a higher level. He's a good runner too. Is missing. Yeah. 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 You know who he reminded me a lot of speaking of the Tennessee Titans? Yeah. Jake Locker. Yes. That's a great comp for him. Because I was using I was like, he's another Mitch Trubisky. I mean, and I don't sure. like Yeah, and I, I don't the, like doing the logo. The I hate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. But but there, it's there because it's the size, the arm, the physical tools are all there. But Locke is Locker's really great because he's just not accurate. And I remember being interviewed during the Senior Bowl with Locker by a, a Washington, um, a Seattle station, and I was like, "So how is it?" And I'm like, "The accuracy is not there." And they were like, "Really?" And how? And I'd been on that show for a while, and and they were like, "So." What's going on with that? And I said the mechanics are the mechanics are pretty solid, but the accuracy isn't there. That's a concern. Just yeah, the internal clock. Like like I don't know if like Jake Locker was a like Cam Newton dumbed down type player. Yes. Yes. But that means if you are inaccurate. Yeah, like you don't have the like Cam Newton would have could have could and did have games. But like he couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. It felt like yeah, but he'd go, you know, he'd go for 120 yards on the ground. Yeah, and and then the when game. he had game, and then when he had games where he could he could thread the eye of a needle, oh. he was unstoppable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and May is one of those guys that he has moments where he threads the eye of the needle, but they're but the decisions that those five to seven decisions that you need to make in a game where the defense says we've we're we know what you can't usually do well and mm -hmm. we're going to try and scheme you to stop you it doesn't happen you know it happens at different points in the game where we go we've got you in a scenario where we've painted you in a corner sure. we're going to make you paint you know get your way out of it right and if a quarterback can do it you know out of those five to seven, maybe four to six times, they they're great. If they can do it, you know, three to five times, I'm giving a little overlap. You know, they're probably a decent starter who will get a second contract as a starter and be a longtime player. If right. they can't do it at least three times, if they do it only three times out of seven, or you know, they're right. usually they're usually not getting a second contract as a starter or staying in the league. And May For sure. strikes me as that player. And it's like the physical tools are great, but 
he's my like Will Levis Desmond Ritter right now if I'm if the grade stays the same like I remember finishing up and like you know doing everything and doing my grades and looking at it and going wait a minute you know (laughs) you know it's it's funny because I also think too like universities sometimes have like an archetype of quarterback that they kind of go after and so think about this Mitch Trubisky in chronological order Mitch Trubisky, Sam Howell, Drake May. And before that, Bryn, Le- Bryn Renner. All very similar archetypical. Yeah. Like those guys are not too far apart. They're on the same wavelength. Yeah. And that brand of quarterback is not successful in the NFL for long periods of time. Like Sam Howell will go from franchise savior to get him off the roster in a matter of a week. Yeah, like that's just how it works. But that's the fear with Drake May is archetypically quarterbacks in that system and who play the same brand of football yeah. that Drake May plays have not been successful. Yeah, I'll give you. So that's yeah, for sure. I'll give you some more quarterbacks because they're guys. The most of those guys are the ones that I know where I want to revisit. Tanner Mordecai out of Wisconsin, the former SMU guy. Mm-hmm. The SMU tape was pretty nice. Had some moments, good. you know. Wisconsin, new offense, um, new receivers. Missed a lot of communications with his receivers at times. Um, got hurt. Got sacked a lot. Um, the line wasn't great. New system for him. Probably didn't always trust the decisions that he needed to make. Then I watched him like at the end of the year when he came back from the hand injury against LSU and he looked pretty good. He looked a little more like the Tanner Mordecai that I saw, former four-star guy who went to Oklahoma. And I'm like, I'm not rating him like, I don't think he's like a future starter, but I'm looking at him and going, he could be a future backup of value. Like, And there's some starter level skills to his game that I'm like, I just want to double double check a couple of things like from a decision making sure. standpoint um, I would add because like you know another player I might look at Jack Plummer there's some things with Jack Plummer at Louisville yeah. uh-huh. I, I dig a lot about his game but the accuracy is just not quite there if, every, yeah. if he had the accuracy he would be probably a top five quarterback in this class, I think. For sure. um, the other, and then I'd say the final one, probably Michael Penix. I keep going back and okay. forth with Michael Penix because the the he is among my top five. I want to revisit his decisions and his pocket because at Indiana, we talk. I think we talked about this. He got mm-hmm. the crap kicked out of him in Indiana. Mm-hmm how that can change a player but I'm not sure it really changed him all that much at Washington I thought he's played pretty well at Washington I'm and I want to I'm interested most of all of what the injury medicals are going to be on him I 100% I think that's going to be a big tell for him once he once he gets in the evaluation process about where he's going to where he's going to go and how high if he checks out medically, he's probably at the top 
20 pick, I'd say, top 25. Yeah. I think he'll go in the first round. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think another one kind of in that same vein is, like, like Joe Milton the third. Yes. He's my and developmental he, guy. But yeah. And, yeah, he's – no, he's – I mean, I, he can throw 80 yards flat-footed. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's incredible the – like just the just the level of arm strength that he has, right, and the amount of torque, um, but also too he sometimes just can't hit the ocean. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's kind of it's a, it's tough because like guys like that, it's like you know it's like your Malik Willis, your you know it's this guy he has a skill set to be a Pro Bowl caliber player, yeah. but also the the floor is out of the league in a few years. Yes. Right, and that's the scary part. Is like, where does a guy like that go in the NFL draft? Right, because yes. he has, you know, if you could draft him at his ceiling, he's a top five pick. But if you draft him at his floor, you're not drafting him at all. Yeah. So, and that's the tough thing about where does a guy like that go? Because he is purely developmental. Like he's he he shouldn't see the field for two three years. Yeah. Like that's what I said about Malik Willis. I think this guy can be really good, but he shouldn't see the field. Saw the field too early, stunned his growth, and now he's, you know, got a kind of uphill climb to to being even a career backup. The Jordan but, Love treatment is definitely mm-hmm. what oh, yeah. ideal for so many of these guys. Oh Milton for, for, sure. for sure. Yeah. Milton for sure. Like I, I totally agree on the Milton one. That was watching him throw 65, 64, 65 yards opposite sideline pinpoint or near pinpoint and go. And the mechanics aren't even like fantastic with the, with the, no, it rip. yeah. And you're this, just like, yeah. what did I just see? It's like watching, you know, it's like when I was a little kid way back in the day, there was a show called the Beverly Hillbillies. And there was this guy named Jethro who was like, the whole joke was that he was country strong and, you know, like, you know, he's like lifting cars or whatever, doing weird shit. And they're like, yeah, country strong. It's like, I eat those vittles and that's what made me so strong. That's I really, hilarious. I feel like that Joe Milton is like the Jethro of this. That's class. Actually, <laughs> it's actually, it's actually really funny. Cause it's, it's, it's kind of true. Like, you know, like I saw those videos in like throwing at like a camp, you know, there's these other five-star dudes just throwing and it's like 55 yards, 60 yeah. yards, 60 yards. And it's like it's like they just toss Joe Milton the ball, and he's just okay, like seventy five yards. He's like, what? What? How, yeah. how did that? Happen? Like, yeah. how is this possible? Like, it's it's I, crazy. I re I, I replayed the throw the first time he threw it sixty four yards on a dime. I literally replayed that like three times and counted it three times just to make sure that I saw what I saw. Yeah, no, there there are a yeah. lot of throws from him. If yeah. you just watch like the deep ball, like. He just lets it like there's yeah. been like seventy five yard throws yeah. in air. Oh, there's it's a crazy. there's a guy I saw yesterday on Twitter who said he's reposting the video of of Joe Milton throwing an orange one hundred and ten yards. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you want to go to if you want to go to X just to see that, I'm sure it's probably up. You know. Worth a subscription, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's worth the price of admission. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean and Brevin Spanford was one of those developmental guys for me. 6'7", 270 was the listed. I don't know what he weighed in at, actually, because he looked a little thinner than that for me, and he might not be that tall. But he's a tall, big dude who played, like, I think, linebacker and tight end in another third position in high school. But after watching him, like, 
2022, I was like, this guy looks like he's barely played tight end. Like he looked like he looked like uh, what Jimmy Graham, like Jimmy Graham looked at, at Miami, looked advanced compared to how really? Brevin Spanford looked at certain points. But the difference was that Brevin Spanford was trying. They tried to use him as a blocker. Jimmy Graham, they just put in there and said, go rebound the rebound the ball. We'll take you back out of the game. Brevin Spanford looked lost in 2022 as a blocker. Like one step late all the time, defenders clowning him. He just looked, he looked bad. And then he dropped passes because he's clap attacking everything. But when he caught one, you know, it was impressive. And then what he could do after the catch, he's hurdling people and he's like, and then you watch him in pass pro and he's like holding up. Like, like he, you could tell this guy's like, they just threw me in and I'm doing the best I can to survive. And like, he's kind of doing it. And you're like, I love this kid's effort, but he's all over the place. So right. I was expecting, you know, today I watched him again, you know, and I watched a couple of games in 2023 early and there was still a little bit that still going on a bit, but it was better. And then I watched him against Purdue like later in the year. And suddenly he had releases that were like, like competent. And then I'm watching him block and he's taking the correct shoulder. His feet aren't like, you know, so wide from his shoulders that right. it looks like he's about to do a split. You know, he's literally in good position. He's now pulling across the formation and taking the correct shoulder and hitting people and he's cut blocking people and he's excited like you watch him like literally cut block linebackers from across like motioning across and getting the correct legs and shooting through and getting up and you know and you can tell he's like and then does it the next play and you're just like this kid's excited because he's figuring out like I've got tools now. Like I know yeah. what to do. And like he's <laughs> and he's figuring out like he's not trying to figure out where to go and should he be there or think yeah. about it. He's actually in the right spot and using the technique. And I'm like, I'll be damned if this kid might not make a roster as a like a practice yeah. squad player now. Cause like he actually it's like the lights coming on a little bit for him. Mm -hmm. And and as a result of that, he's not having to think so much about the things that he could do, you know, or think about the things that he had to think about that he couldn't do. Now it's not getting in the way of the things he can do. Right. And so now I'm looking at him going, he might make it as like a third tight end yeah. in a couple of years and work his way up, up the line because the athletic ability's there. It's just the yeah. the rest of it's like figuring it out. And I think that he's like... He's not there, but it's so much more on its way where it's like before it was like he was drowning out there. And right. now it's like someone taught him a couple of strokes and he's like, oh, this is cool. And this ocean thing's kind of <laughs> neat. Like I can see fish down there. I might actually even learn how to dive down there and like That's swim with them. That's what it's he, a whole new world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, I yeah, I think guys like that are always interesting because you get the, you know, the Donald Parms of the world. Yes. And they kind of like, it's, it's like, have you seen Forrest Gump? Yes. It's like when Forrest Gump gets all like all the metal off his legs and he starts sprinting and he starts like figuring out, <laughs> oh my God, this is running. This is incredible. <laughs> like, that's what I always think about when I squat some of those players that like developmentally, you kind of watch the light bulb just yeah. slowly turn on. And yeah. um, it's cool to watch, but yeah, guys like that. 
yeah. with that brain you can't teach that right you can't teach you can't teach genetics so with that frame yeah guys like that can can make a roster and potentially stick around as developmental guys that based on traits yeah i mean another trait guy like that who has a little more to his game and was a high-end prospect but just i don't think really emerged at the highest level is j michael sturdivant you know the the ucla former cal guy who's 63205 and can move you know i i'm i'm interested in seeing what goes on with him i believe he's he declared but uh but he's a he's a guy that kind of fits that for me or a, or a devon vele out of utah there's some there's some interesting there's some, there's some interesting there, there's some interesting utah players coming out this year yeah him, him um him vaki as well he's good um yeah it'd be interesting to see what those guys do yeah for sure anybody else on your list that like sits the bill or anybody that you looked at and you go i was hoping there i'd see more but i haven't and i'm just yeah and it's, uh, yeah. yeah i think uh xavier xavier leggett yes i think he was one i was hoping i was hoping to see more because you know six feet 220 like you like the frame but in the, on on tape sometimes like oh man like that's a that's a great play if you're a guy of, of that stature but just everything looked a little too sloppy a little too forced yeah. you know um when you're like that height and weight, like you would expect more dominance, if that makes sense, yeah. right? Um, but you, I didn't see that as much this week, at least so far. Um, but we'll see how his stock looks going up or down. Um, him, he was definitely a big one for me. Um, I like Brendan Rice. I think he's done a really good job. I think he's kind of solidified himself as like a day three, day late day two guy. Yeah, I think he's been really. I think he's pretty good. Um, those are probably my main my main guys. Bo Nix was the one I stocked down, down, down. Like, okay, I was just watching him throw the ball. Um, I, I I get why teams would take the risk in the first round, but like it's again like that Mitch Trubisky syndrome almost. Yeah, of like this guy is like good physical tools that you want, but like everything seems just a, a tick late. Yeah. Like everything is just a fraction, a fraction too late. Yeah. And that's the that's one of the things I've kind of noticed from him. Um, he's kind of just watching he's him my, my comp for him was he's what people hoped Mitch Trubisky might be. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, but I get where you're coming from with that. And he's for me, he's at that borderline of can he be a contributor? who can start or is he a contributor who's in the league who could start if right. you need a starter in an emergency right you know and that's kind of where he is for me for that so i i'm with you there i'm i i of uh, a player who i i like the xavier leggett um talk with that because yeah he's that player that that he fits in that realm of archetype of DK Metcalf and and Alshon Jeffrey if those guys are if you're talking like tearing down explosion and separation ability sure. like you know there's the highest level Metcalf there's Alshon Jeffrey who's kind of the mid-tier and I was hoping that Leggett would be closer at least in the mid-tier in between 
uh-huh. Jeffrey and Medcalf, but there's questions, you know, whether that's really can be the case with him. I'd say Devontae Walker. I was like, about to say Tez Walker too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Te- yeah, go yeah. on. No, I mean, I mean, you'll probably say it more eloquently than I, but I think, you know, going into this week at least, it was this guy might be a first, this might be a late first round guy. Oh, man, I, I think he's a maybe a day two guy. Maybe. I have a day, I have a late day three grade on him. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. And when and so when he dipped, I was like, because when I kept hearing, I kept hearing that too, and I was like, okay, this is one of those moments. I'm just gonna watch and wait because this ain't. I don't see that, but because like he's borderline draftable for me, and and so seeing that, I was hoping that see more, hear more that would go. I gotta go back and watch right. some of what I've seen, but from what I'm hearing and based on what I've seen, I feel pretty confident about about that grade you know right at this point so yeah i i hear you but uh yeah i mean this is a it's a fun time of year um you know certainly you know i'll say from the shrine game i'll give a couple players that that i like go for it um the sean fenwick the oregon state running back he's uh, i like the big backs when i you know and he's got a little bit of a Leonard Fournette archetype. He's not super fast like Fournette was coming out, um, but he's a good gap scheme runner who can thump. And with the league kind of going to some of that, he might give you a little bit of that that B back opportunity. He might be able to grow into a B back. Maybe it's a Daryl Williams reserve okay. starting B back more than it is a Jamal Williams or David Montgomery type of B back, but. He's got a little bit of that to his game. He can catch the ball in the flats and give you at least some some um, competence there. I'm a Blake Watson fan. Um, out of I think he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be uh, – I think the, the combine is going to mean a lot for a guy like Watson. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think – I think talk about archetypes too. Like look, at, look at the running backs yeah. that Memphis has turned out. Right? Yes. Yeah. You know, gosh, man, Pollard, Pollard, Henderson, Gainwell. And they got another one coming. Gibson. Oh, they always do. They've factored those guys. They, it's incredible. They've got another one coming by the name of Mike. I think it's Michael, something Anderson maybe, or Michael Anderson yeah. from South Carolina who came up from a, from Newberry College, and he played this year at Carolina. Go watch that South Carolina back. Because that dude, there's something about him. He's not unbelievably fast, but he knows how to hit a hole. He's shifty. He's kind of a little Ray Davis in terms of like that Love size, that, that size um, balance thing. And he's playing. He's at Memphis. I I'm a I'm a fan of that dude. I couldn't stop watching him when I was watching Leggett and um and and Rattler this year. Um, so he's gonna get his his opportunity. So yeah, Love I like it. that. Well, look, man, you know we uh, we're getting you know combine will be around the corner within a few weeks, and well, yeah, it's gearing up, man. This is a fun time of year. Yeah, it sure is, and we're gonna bring it. You know, we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks to talk about you know some of the players that we've kind of dove into. 
Um, I'll be it'll be running back month in the RSP cave in February. Uh, we'll hit it. So we're gonna have a good time being we'll able to talk it. about those guys as well as everyone else. Of course, you can follow Brandon's great work at Angelo underscore fantasy on X. Find me at Matt Waldman, rookie scouting portfolio. You can certainly um, pre-order that for $21.95 at mattwaldman.com. Um, 19 years. We're at ni- year 19. So uh, thanks again, everyone. Stay safe out there and have a good week.